This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox and in just a few minutes, Jennifer McCracken, Senior Manager and Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions, one of Canada's largest and longest serving debt solution companies, will join us to talk about resolving debt problems and also about making home renovations a positive experience as much as it can ever be, and we'll take some calls as well. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. The 2018 J.D. Power Initial Quality Car Study is out, and while it's safe to say cars are getting better, this year's results show Korean cars are really getting better. The Hyundai Motor Group took the top three spots on this year's list, with luxury brand Genesis ahead of Kia and Hyundai, with Porsche and Ford rounding out the top five. The survey ranks car models on the number of problems reported per 100 vehicles during the first 90 days of ownership. The overall industry average saw a slight improvement with the biggest reduction in complaints coming from exterior design, infotainment systems, and seats. Now, voice recognition and Bluetooth technology continue to be problems for car makers, ranking highest on the annoyance list, while issues with driver aids, including cruise control and lane-keeping assist, continue to increase. The highest-ranked car? The Porsche 911. Three participating domestic automakers, Ford, GM, and Fiat Chrysler, all received better scores than last year and improved more than the average, while Tesla did not take part in the survey. The Ford Motor Company, including Lincoln, had the most individual segment wins with five, followed by Hyundai, the Hyundai Group, rather, with four, and GM with three. And while we're talking cars, we reported a couple of weeks ago that Ford was going to stop making almost all of its cars, except for the Mustang and a Fiesta model in the years ahead, opting for light trucks and SUVs instead. Well, this week, General Motors announced it, too, is reducing some of its cars from future manufacturing plans, including reducing Cadillac car options from three to two. The ATS will disappear by 2021, and Cadillac is also promising seven new non-car vehicles by the same year. Fiat Chrysler began reducing the number of cars it makes back in 2016, so GM is the last of the big three to fall in line and announce reductions. Oh, hey, the next time you check into a Marriott hotel and they're everywhere, you might find an unexpected guest in your room, Alexa. Amazon announced a new deal with the hotel chain this week to add Amazon Echo smart speakers to a number of their hotel rooms. Guests will be able to order room service, turn on the lights, call the front desk, and all the other stuff using the Alexa-enabled systems. Guests won't need an Amazon account to use the service, but in future, they will be able to sign into their accounts and play their playlists and audiobooks. For guests who don't want the listening devices in their hotel rooms... (laughs) 
Amazon says the microphone can be turned off and your hotel can't listen to what you said to Alexa or what she said back. Marriott will roll this new feature out across their many brands, including Weston and St. Regis Hotels, over the summer. Manulife Financial Corp. announced on Thursday it's cutting 700 jobs as it looks to streamline and digitize its customer service operations. Their CEO uh, said the industry is still doing too many things the old way, including processing paperwork, processing mail, and answering phone calls about issues people should be able to find out for themselves. So, Manual Life says it's time to get with the times. The job losses will occur through voluntary exit programs and natural attrition over the next 18 months as the company moves to become a digital, customer-centric organization. Consumers have driven this move, says Manulife. People don't compare us to other financial services company. They compare us to the best service they're getting from the best companies across any industry. Oh, and it's Dragon Boat Festival in Vancouver again this weekend. This is number 30. And the organizers say this is the largest and most competitive festival in North America, no less. This year, we'll see over 5,000 racers from over 200 teams blasting up and down False Creek, along with the entertainment, arts, and cultural festivals that go alongside the races every year. Besides Canada and Hong Kong, the original participants, this year, teams are also in from the States, from Germany, China, the Philippines, and Australia. And as usual, the best part about the Dragon Boat Festival, it's all free. Those are some of the week's top consumer stories we're following. We'll look at a few more later on in the show. Stand by because Jennifer McCracken is here from BDO First Debt Call Solutions to take your calls about debt issues and also to talk about making home renovations a more positive experience all around. Has nothing to do with hitting your thumb with a hammer either. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And welcome back to the program this Saturday afternoon. A mix of sun and cloud and not raining. We'll take not raining. That works really well for all of us because this morning it was raining. So this is a huge improvement already. The rest of the weekend looking much better too. Sterling Fox with you from CKNW and the Vancouver Consumer. A delight to introduce Jennifer McCracken to you. Jennifer is a senior manager and licensed insolvency trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions here in Vancouver. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to Vancouver Consumer. Hello, thanks for having me. Well, it's nice to have you with us. This is the second visit we've had from BDO First Call Debt Solutions. Tell us a little bit about the company. You had your colleague Ilya Margulis was here a few weeks ago, but uh, many of us have forgotten a little of the background <laughs> about BDO. So give us a, 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 a the, the elevator sketch about what BDO Debt okay, Solutions is Okay, happy to about. do that. So BDO First Call Debt Solutions is a national firm. We have uh, offices across the country, and we're really active in our communities, and we're really proud to be able to assist Canadians that are in financial difficulty. Uh, we come from a caring uh, standpoint, understanding that debt and debt problem is a multifaceted issue in mm-hmm. people's lives, and we care about building those relationships. And uh, the most rewarding part of my job is getting people back on a path of financial freedom and being debt-free. And hopefully, either there may be people out there that have questions today, and we're happy to, to be a part of that solution. We absolutely are going to open up our phone lines. In fact, Andrew, let's just do that right now. Let's release the lines. It's 604 604- 
280-9898. If you'd like to jump in on the on the uh, conversation, you are most welcome to do so with any uh, questions regarding debt issues. Now, we just found out that our our national, the individual national debt has gone down from we used to owe a dollar seventy for every dollar we actually make, and now we've gone all the way down to a buck sixty eight. Last time I saw, is that the, the most? That is correct. Number? And although there's there's new stories out there saying that we're working towards erasing our debt load and and this number has gone down, we do have to remember that the one point seven zero was a record high, mm-hmm. and even last year, if the number was one point six eight, which it is now, that would still be considered a record. So, it's just a sobering thought that yes, it's good news that the debt level is going down. It's still for my comfort level, a little bit too high. And um, that is something that we really need to think about and evaluate in our lives. I'm sure it is. And you have BDOs and is a national company, as you've told us already. And I'm sure when you get together with that very small group of trustees uh, who are your colleagues from BDO across the country, there are differences in levels of indebtedness across mm-hmm. the country. And here in the most expensive city in Canada, are we the highest personal debt levels as well? In BC, specific to the lower mainland, we do have the highest level of debt across the country. And, you know, although when you look at salaries, a lot of salaries are higher in BC than in other parts of the country. We know that housing prices are higher than other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there is considerable wealth here, but there also is, um, I think, a larger access to credit. There's an availability of credit to individuals that have higher income and perhaps assets that they can borrow against. So it is something to think about that a lot of uh, British Columbians are actually living paycheck to paycheck. Well, there was a su- there was a big survey from Moneris, the payroll mm-hmm. people, back a few months ago, basically mm-hmm. saying, uh, basically validating exactly what you just said in terms of the paycheck to paycheck, and that in some cases a two hundred dollar emergency would cause chaos mm-hmm. in some households. They're, they're running on that thin a margin. That is absolutely correct. And I meet a lot of individuals that um, will come in and say, look, my credit rating is great. I, I have lots of credit available to me. They are living paycheck to paycheck. And the reality is they are actually insolvent and they are in need of a solution to deal with their debt. Because what we really need to think about is how can we live and be debt free? It's not necessarily normal to live with debt, although a lot of people really think that it is. I know that. And, you know, older generations really understood this. They actually understood that you spend less than what you earn. The whole the whole point is to build wealth and build savings. And I, I think that uh, just my own viewpoint is that a lot of individuals really don't live their lives that way. They don't actually think about how much they're spending on their debt, why they're incurring in debt. Do they really need to take on additional debt? It, it absolutely is, is a, from my view, a very big problem. And across all age groups as well. So mm-hmm. we're not just talking about young individuals. It, it debt and, and emergencies are things that can grip you at any stage in your lifetime. Okay. And, and of course, it comes down to two words in many cases, want and need, doesn't it? And the differentiation between the two is enormous. It is. And again, it comes down to the fact that we live in an era where there's a certain um, thing on Instagram where there's a a celebrity that will have a picture of, of something that they're buying or something that they've used and then it sells out on Amazon. Yeah, the sure. Day. That's right. And, and we really live in a culture where we need this instant gratification. Credit, by the way, gives us that. So if I actually don't have access to credit and I really truly had to buy based on what I actually have based on my actual savings, 
I obviously am going to live my life differently than if I just spend, 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 and it's as easy as a click of a button or the swipe of my credit card. Oh, sure. And um, absolutely, I think the needs versus want is something that it's something that's important. We evaluate even for things like vacations or home renos. Mm-hmm. What is the difference when I'm building a budget between what is a want and versus what is a need? Sure. And it's something that one thing we talk about at BDO. I talk to my clients about is the fact that when you're integrating changes in your life, spending changes, we really want you to have it small, measurable, attainable. And, and having um, a, a good feel of what your budget is and how you're spending your money is really habit-based um, behavior in your life. And that's what we want you to have, those small changes. You don't want to have these big lofty goals. Really work towards it day by day. Small, simple changes really make the difference. I want to go back to something you mentioned just a few minutes ago. You really caught my attention by saying it, too. Uh, you, you speak to some people come in and they talk to you about how, you know, I, essentially, I am basically living paycheck to paycheck, but I have a terrific credit score and I am servicing all of my indebted accounts. But of course, I'm flat broke because of that. So you said that person is technically already insolvent, Mm -hmm. yet they're still out there in the game, uh, you know, paying their bills and making checks and, you know, they're players still on the field. When do you, at what point, where do you cross the line, Jennifer, when you recognize that, okay, I am servicing all my debts, but at the end of the month, there's absolutely nothing left, no, not even fun money, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, uh, uh, real want stuff, fantasy stuff. Yes. So when do you cross that line and, and go, gee, you know, it, it's, it's so not fun having a great credit score and no money. Mm-hmm. What can I do about this? this life has got to be more fun than this. Well, you know, I think what you're really hitting on is when individuals are assessing what are their financial goals. So if, for instance, someone has a financial goal to be debt-free and they are carrying debt, so they have this great credit score, they're servicing the accounts, they're not paying them down, they're just keeping them current, Mm -hmm. they should go on, we have them on our website at debtsolutions.bdo.ca, Financial Consumer Agency of Canada. There's lots of websites out there that have the debt calculator where you essentially can stress test your debt, you can stress test if you can handle an increase in interest rates, if you can handle a decrease in income, you'll want to measure these things and plug in the figures on your credit card accounts or your loans that you're servicing and measure how long it will take you to pay down and retire the debt. The actual debt. The actual debt. And that's a very sobering thought for people because Mm -hmm. they realize, well, wait a second. So if I, it's going to take me 25 years to pay off this debt, what are my other financial goals? Is it saving for an education fund for my children? Is it saving for a vacation fund? A big one, and we have lots of time today, but really saving for retirement. There's not a lot of private pension plans associated with people's work nowadays. So how are you planning to save for your retirement? And those are all things that you really need to think about. So I could be in my 30s or 40s and say, well, you know, I, I do have debt, but you know, it's manageable. I'm going to pay it off. Oh, sure. Then I'm going to save for my retirement. You know, I think that people need to realize that life, we have hiccups. So in that window of time, when you expected to pay down your debt, there could be illness, there could be a change in jobs, there could be a change in your marital status. And mm-hmm. now you are really hampered on fulfilling that goal that you had set for yourself. So I definitely encourage individuals to try to measure how quickly they can pay off their debt. And if they're in a situation where they have experienced some type of change in their life where they realize that the debt is actually not serviceable anymore, then they should reach out to a licensed insolvency trustee. We're impartial. We all offer free initial meetings. And you can get that free advice and understand what your options are. Right. And the options, and I think this is, this is really an important part of the conversation because the options typically, especially when when all of that, when, when you're absolutely cash poor, but you still got the good credit, 
credit score. And maybe then you start missing a payment here and there. And then you start getting the phone calls and the letters and the threats and all. And it just gets nastier as as time goes by. That can wear you down, too. So, again, it, it, it you don't need to let it go necessarily to the part where the wolf is really howling at the door. Right. Uh, you can right. really head a lot of that nastiness off earlier in the game if you're smart enough to recognize it. Okay, I mean, it's all, I mean, I don't have any money, Mm -hmm. but I have a great credit score, and, well, so what? Maybe I can do something about reducing this huge debt. And we're talking a lot of times, Jennifer, about credit card debt Mm -hmm. and ridiculous 19% interest rates. So, yeah, wouldn't you want to get rid of that? Consolidation is an option. That certainly would be option one, wouldn't it? It would. I mean, the approach that a lot of individuals take is they'll work with their bank to pay off the debt in full. So they'll consolidate the accounts, get a more manageable interest interest rate associated with the debt. If we're talking about having a strong credit rating, you probably are in a position to qualify for that, sure. provided, you know, obviously the, the lender has to decide. But, you know, if you have steady income, you have some assets, and um, they can find that it meets within the lending requirements, you probably will qualify for a consolidation loan. That is a great option. You're avoiding an insolvency filing, mm-hmm. but you are working through a plan now to pay off the debt. I strongly encourage individuals to actually cut up and destroy any cards associated with the consolidation loan. That doesn't always happen. Um, the bank doesn't actually contact the lender and, and tell them to close out the account. You are going to have to close out that account once sure. it's wrapped into that consolidation loan. Um, so that's one option. And the other option that individuals could look at is you know, there's not-for-profit groups like you know credit counselors and things that they can work on negotiating interest rates and paying off the debt in full. When that's not an option, then they – and I firstly always recommend that they see a licensed insolvency trustee first because I – I'm required to review statutory and non-statutory options. So if an individual needs a consolidation loan, it's, it's a happy day for them because I walk out and say, you, you don't need me. You don't right. need to work with me right now. Exactly. You can actually go find this other you, option. You are, your plan is solid. Go for it. Go, yes. Yeah. And so we, I will always give individuals what all the options are. It's not, a, it's not really a, um, a process where I'm pushing a, a legislative process upon them. Um, where the debt load is at a level that it's just too high – or their income is at a level that they just can't service under something like a, a debt consolidation loan, then they're going to look to other options like a proposal to their creditors where they're going to settle on the amount that's owed and now, pay less. This proposal is the one I think a lot of people who are is experiencing debt issues are, are probably the least aware of. You know about mm-hmm. consolidation loans. The mm-hmm. bank pitches those all over the place. You can't go into a bank branch without a big poster somewhere. Consolidate right here, right, right. now. And then the other option, of course, is bankruptcy. Yes. What, a lot, what a lot of people don't understand, Jennifer, is that there's a middle option mm-hmm. that isn't as uh, disastrous for mm-hmm. your credit record mm-hmm. uh, and also isn't as, uh, as final uh, as as a bankruptcy, it, it it just doesn't have that odious ring to it, and yet uh, it is supervised by a professional like yourself, a licensed insolvency trustee, and everything is on the up and up all the way across, isn't it? Yes, that's right. And what we find a lot of individuals will choose the, con- the consumer proposal road or, or proposal to their creditors because it's a opportunity for them to be in a financial plan where they will be debt free in a period of say five years, right? And it. 
where there's a benefit to them is that it, it verifies the figure, the final figure they're going to have to pay to be out of debt. The creditors are on board. They voted in favor for it. So it's, it's basically you've reached that agreement with their consent. And the, that agreement is negotiated by the professional, by the not by the in, indebted person. That's right. And so really where You don't have to deal with all those people. Precisely. And for some individuals, you talked earlier about the fact that debt causes a lot of stress. That's precisely the point. It's very difficult to navigate that process on your own if you're, you may not have the knowledge, the expertise. You also may not have the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's a very special process for you to have to go in and negotiate with each creditor. This is one party, the licensed insolvency trustee, who will deal with on beha- your behalf with your creditors, and it will consolidate to one monthly payment. And once you've satisfied that, you will be discharged. And it becomes actually like a court-sanctioned agreement with your creditors, that it's nobody can step in and change the terms. You Once it's agreed to, once it's negotiated, that's the amount you're going and to pay to all of the free. letters and all of the phone calls and all the nasty mm-hmm. stuff gets stopped immediately. That is correct. Jennifer, I need to take a quick break for a quick newscast. Uh, the phone lines remain open at 604-280-9898. Our guest is Jennifer McCracken, who is a licensed insolvency trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions, and will take your calls and talk home renovations when we continue on Vancouver Consumer. And welcome back to the program for a Saturday afternoon. Sterling Fox with you, joined in studio by Jennifer McCracken, a licensed insolvency trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions here in Vancouver. This is a national firm, as Jennifer has told us. They have offices all over Canada, and I'm assuming offices all over BC as well as just here in Vancouver. That's right. We have offices all over the lower mainland and also in the interior BC. We have uh, a very large practice uh, spread across uh, the province, so we're, we're very happy to say we can help uh, most residents in BC with their problems. Good stuff. Okay, now we were going to talk about home renovations. First of all, uh, it's, it's, uh, CMHC tells us that 50% of all Canadians holding a mortgage will have to renew in 2018. So you have another rather impressive high number as well from a new survey from the folks at uh, CIBC on home renovations. It's not 50%, Jennifer, but it's awfully darn close. Yes. Um, so CIBC renovation poll found that about one-third of BC residents plan on doing a home renovation project. And there was actually a curious part of the results showed that there was a decline from what they had reported last year, what they intended to spend on the reno. So their their estimation was sort of the, the majority have reported that that they plan to spend about $10,000 on the home reno. I think one of the trends with this survey that was interesting is that there was a shift from doing larger projects mm-hmm. like the spa, bathroom, the gourmet kitchen. There was more of a move to maintenance. Most of the individuals reported that they plan to do renos to maintain the home. So things like flooring, painting, these are smaller projects that actually have a smaller budget. So more with practical it. upgrades rather than flashy add-ons. Yes, and I think that that's not a bad thing. Homeownership is a big deal, as we sure. all no, it, it's certainly in the Lower Mainland. It's a very big thing to be able to, to to be working towards owning your own property and maintaining it. It's really it really makes sense because that's probably the largest asset that you own. And and so I think from a, a standpoint of maintaining your wealth, it is a good thing to to maintain your house. It will keep its value. Well, and a lot of people have just decided that in this these turbulent real estate times, you know, why get into all of that if you don't have to when you can just renovate? Now, uh, we're going to talk to John Carlson the next hour. He's going to have a very different take on this because John's with 1% Realty. <laughs> but for those people who are interested in renovations and particularly doing the practical kind of upgrades, what about, and again, you know, these all cost. And they all cost hard-earned 
after-tax dollars. So we want to stretch those dollars as best we can. So you've got a lot of experience with this. Give us some some practical stuff about practical home renovations. Okay, will do. In terms of the reno, I think where you want to start, most people want to start, first it's a family decision, so have a discussion with your spouse about what the plans are. You want to say how much are we planning on spending and also how do we plan on spending for this? So if you've been putting money aside in saving, you know, you know, pat your yourself on the back, good for you. Mm. A lot of the respondents in this survey reported they were planning on using savings. So that's a good thing. But I think you also want to sit down and say, what is the budget for the project? We found with the CIBC survey that many of the individuals reported they had no plans to set a budget. That really definitely gives me pause because even when you set a budget, you probably are going to overspend on it. And that's just, that's just human nature. And the other thing is that when you start tearing down walls, we know there's mishaps. Watch any home renovation show on TV. Things arise that are unexpected. So you want to plan for a budget, but also plan for overages. And also as you're going through the renovation, assess how you're doing. Mm-hmm. Where are we at? Do we plan, we plan on spending 10000 Well, we're at five, and by the looks of it, we need another 7000 to go. Okay, well, you're already overspending. Where can we cut? Do we need the heated? towel rack or can Mm -hmm. we just do something a bit more simple and so that's the exercise that i'm hoping all the bc residents that are planning to do this reno what they're going to to go through and what percentage of of people planning to do it are are simply ignoring the budgetary realities well the poll found that about 30 percent um were not planning to set a budget really just gonna go for it yeah exactly (laughs) well you know it's i suppose if you if you have unlimited cash then you can just go for it but very few of us are lucky enough to have that financial circumstance. But I, um, I would argue, even if you were did have that financial wherewithal, it's probably probably not responsible because every penny you have, whether you know it's it's money that you've you've earned through your savings, through your income, it's really important how you spend every dollar. In my mind, so I, I just think even if you have the financial wherewithal to pay it all, you have that money in the bank. I still think it's important to set a budget on. Well, that of course spend. it is, absolutely. Yeah. And and how I suppose from a really perverse sort of way, how are you going to ever know how far over budget you are if you didn't have a budget in the first place? Exactly. Because chances are, as you say, it, it, even no matter how how much homework you do on defining that budget for this project, it's likely you're going to go a bit over anyway. That's absolutely. life, isn't it? Yeah. So, it's human nature, I would say. Oh, I, I agree. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, now the savings that people are dipping into to cover the costs of these renos. Jennifer, are people using RSP money for this or just savings account money? We it found makes a difference. It, well, it? it does make a difference. We did actually we did a poll last year for a home renovation budget. It was at the exact time that this CIBC poll was conducted, so it was in June of 2017. Okay, and we found that a lot of individuals were planning to use cash or savings. So it was about 60 percent. We did find that individuals individuals were planning to tap into our RSPs and tax-free savings account. That level was at about 13%. So I would just encourage individuals to assess if they're going to access funds from an RRSP, there could be a tax, there is tax associated with that, and there could be other tax consequences. So I would just encourage individuals to really think about whether or not they want to be pulling money out of a registered savings plan when it would be probably more prudent for them to actually set the money aside. A tax-free savings account is a good option because you you actually don't get taxed when you're taking the money out. So it would be preferable from my standpoint that people pull that money from a tax-free savings account over pulling it out from an RRSP. But people get pretty stretched, especially in the most expensive city in Canada. So what's the better remedy here? Using a a withdrawal from your RSP, because that's the only cash you have available to fund a home reno, or put the darn thing on your credit card? 
Well, again, I, I think we'd go back to our earlier discussion about needs versus wants. So I, if this would have to be a renovation that is very crucial to your house, if there's a hole in your ceiling, yeah. that you're actually going to be taking it out of Absolutely. an RRSP. Pull out the out. old card. Yeah, yeah it's, so I, I think you'd have to be, those options really, if, I, I'm not sure, it's that sort of like what hand you want to cut off, because I mean, I guess you can take it out of your RRSP, but there is going to be a tax consequence associated with that. I work with a lot of individuals that have actually no savings, so I, I really discourage people from taking money out of an RSP unless it's for something like purchasing a home where they can actually you know utilize the programs available where you can withdraw money from an RSP that's tax free and then recontribute the money back so I, I would say that really if you're going to be pulling money from an RSP for a home reno it absolutely has to be a crucial renovation for your house because you're getting the, the, the negative to that is that you're getting taxed on that income yes, money you take out yeah. and you're now losing the retirement savings that you've worked so hard to put in there so um, um, I, I definitely encourage people to, as much as they can to actually build a savings fund and try to fund the money, fund the reno from a cash savings or a tax-free savings account. Okay, let me do a, a sort of a sideways question at you here because I'm getting, I'm getting caught up on RSPs for a reason. Uh, if you are an indebted person and you sit down with a person like yourself at BDO First Call Debt Solutions, an insolvency trustee, and go, look, um, I'm, I'm toast my fin- my finances are just a bloody mess and i need help professional help so but i do have you know the only thing i've managed to do uh, that's noteworthy at all is put a few bucks away in my rsp everything else is a disaster so when you come to resolve my debt issues professionally is the rrsp uh an attackable amount of money that you're going to go to first to pay off the other people that uh, that person owes money to well, I can tell you that the good news for RSPs is that the law has changed in 2008 such that the only um, funds that are, are seizable, in essence, from the trustee standpoint, are the contributions in the 12-month period. So legislators realized that RSPs needed to be on the same playing field as things like private pensions, you know, the super ands and the other pension plans that are protected from other statutes. Okay. RSPs were not. And so the, the law actually changed such that those are protected, that they're really almost put on the same standard except for the contributions made in the 12-month period prior. So that's the good news for people is that they don't actually... They can't they go sh- after you. can't wipe you out. No, and okay. you should not be cashing out your RSPs to pay for your debt and when there's other solutions. They people, do. I'm sure that more than a few people have come to you literally at their wit's end, and not only have they not really accomplished a whole lot, but they've emptied their bank accounts and their RSPs just to service the debt, just trying to be good guys mm-hmm. and last in the game as long as they can. And they end yes. up with nothing. They, yeah, and that's where it's really important that people are educated as to what their options are, what their rights are. And an RRSP, if you've been paying into that for 15, 20 years, it's really important to know you're not going to lose that. Okay. And um, you, you really can find a solution to deal with your debt without having to strip away all of your assets along the way. Okay, now another kind, because I'm sort of leaning into myth territory here, and that's one of them. A lot of people think that, you know, if I end up sitting down with a trustee and, you know, go and and I'm at that end of my rope, everything's going to go. So here's the next possible myth. I don't know the answer to this. Is, uh, am I automatically going to lose my home? Because I owe a 
ton of money. No, you won't. So there are uh, laws that protect assets in British Columbia. And with in respect of um, home ownership, what we really have to look at is what is the, the value of the property and what is the equity available. And each registered owner can claim an exemption to the property. But, you know, it has to be within reason. If there's a substantial amount of equity available in a property, right. we, we do have to have a look at, um, you know, what amount is protected f- from seizure and what amount is not available. So I do do a lot of filings with individuals who have equity. There are still options available when there is equity. So again, what is important for individuals to think about is when they're really feeling that cash flow crunch, they should go in and see a trustee and find out what options are available. We really, we have a look individually because everyone is unique. They all have their own story, but we really assess what are the assets, what is the income available and how much do you owe? And then from those three things, we're going to build a plan in place and let you know what the landscape is for what the options are that are available. And a lot of individuals, you know, the, the markets have changed here in Vancouver and in the lower mainland. Mm-hmm. So what you think is available in terms of equity in your property, that, you know, that may not be the case. We also find that individuals have borrowed against their house. It was like a, you know, a piggy bank. They do the home equity lines of credit and they keep borrowing and borrowing. So um, I also meet a fair a number of individuals that actually they do own real estate, but there actually isn't a substantial amount of equity that is available and they still have financial difficulties. So we structure those options based on everyone's individual. And you see and hear a lot of ads for the homeowner loans you know mm-hmm. if you own a home and by gosh uh, you will you will lend you some dough mm-hmm. just to call us uh, and, and it sounds so ridiculously easy well why not uh, but how is it are, what are the pitfalls associated with uh, because you're adding more debt to uh, your home even though uh, I, I'm assuming you, you say you own your home but you may be of course paying the mortgage on your home but right. as far as that lender is concerned you're in the right position Right. And I think but for any loan that you're going to enter into, what you want to do is look at, you know, how much am I borrowing? What is the interest rate associated with this loan? Um, if the, the interest rate's tied to the Bank of Canada rate, then, you know, you have to think about, can I service this loan if there's an increase? Because, you know, the benchmark rate right now is 1.25, but there are there is talk that those uh, rates are going to go up yes. think this coming July. July 11th. And so that's some, yes, July 11th. So that's something that people really need to think about is that, can I afford th- the loan payments to service this debt right now Mm -hmm. and what if there's a change down the road i mean i've worked in insolvency long enough to know that to be around for the leaky condo crisis and to be around for um, events when a lot of individuals houses were totally underwater and um, that's just something you want to avoid that the more you borrow against the home you are actually taking out the equity that you would otherwise be receiving if you were to sell the property at a later date so you want to think about does it work in my budget now if you're already spending about 20 percent of your net income on servicing debt i think it's a pause to think about whether or not you want to be taking on more debt. And ideally, you would want to find an option where you're not having to collateralize and put your assets down as collateral against a loan. Right. And and again, you see ads uh, for these reverse mortgages, Mm -hmm. which is another loan, uh, but just uh, packaged in a different uh, ribbon. So what's what's the essence of that deal in terms of, well, pitfalls? Again, what are the the, the problems that could come out of it? That can be an option that individuals want to to review. And I certainly suggest that if if someone's looking into that, that if they have a trusted financial planner or someone that they can go to to receive that advice, you certainly would want to do your own independent research. And with something like a reverse mortgage, you are going to pay it when you sell the house. Um, so it's just, again, it's really going to depend on the circumstances of, of what's going to work for the individual and what their other financial goals are. So if taking reverse mortgage is the only option, um, you know, that's something that they would want to do in getting financial advice and professional advice. Uh, maybe a better option would be selling and, and downsizing. 
where they're living. So I think people want to have an approach where they, they are really assessing all the options that are available as opposed to borrowing. You know, borrowing, borrowing, borrowing is not always the option. And one of the other apprehensions, of course, in addition to losing your home, uh, they fear they're going to lose my car. Well, they're not going to take your car away from you, I would suspect, Jennifer, because that's how you make your money. You get in your car and you go to work. And, and if you can't get to work, then you're really hooped. So they're not <laughs> going to take your car away, or are they? Well, it, again, there's exemptions for assets and where creditors can't seize an asset up to a certain value. So it, that also does apply. I mean, if you've got a Lamborghini, of- well, there could be an issue. <laughs> yeah, well, there could, yes. Yeah. So we again, we assess what the fair market value is for a motor vehicle. Know that creditors, I mean, unless you, you have a finance agreement associated with a vehicle, an unsecured creditors, so if I owe a CIBC visa or RBC visa or something like this, they're not going to seize my car. Right. Um, so it really comes down to if if an individual has um, is having debt issues, the, the one party who really has the authority to take the car is if you have a finance agreement or a lease associated with it. Generally speaking, for my insolvency filings, I find most individual, all their assets are generally exempt from seizure and protected. And you can also still continue to have those finance agreements in an insolvency filing. You can still continue to pay to finance the car or the lease agreement. So a lot of people have a misconception that they're going to lose the lease, they're going to lose the finance agreement, and they won't. They actually can continue those agreements. Well, you know, people get pretty, get pretty, and you talk to them all the time. This is what you do for a living. You talk to people in desperate financial straits. And when you get that messed up financially, you start to imagine all sorts of things, not the least of which is, I'm the only person on earth this is happening to. And and secondly, you know, they're going to take everything away. I'm ruined. I have blown it really badly and I am done. And it's just not true. You may have some, you have some, some responsibilities to, uh, to assume to get yourself out of the pickle you're in, mm-hmm. but it is doable. And that's what people need to understand. That's so true. That it really is true. It's really not a daunting a process as you, as you think it is. And a lot of people come in with, well, my friend told me this mm-hmm. and, and I have a friend exactly. of a friend who told me this. And really it's so important. I, I think in anything in life, it's, it's knowing what your rights are, having, making an informed decision and knowing all the information that's available. It is so important. There's a lot of great resources out online, but there's also some resources, you know, if you, you go on certain blogs and websites that really are not necessarily providing you with the correct information. So right. it's it's something, it's important for people to know that the insolvency process is legislated in Canada and licensed insolvency trustees are highly regulated and we we are tasked with a license. It's very important that it protects the public, that we do our jobs well, and that we make sure individuals know what their rights are and we're fair to our, all of our clients. And we're also we're fair to ensure that the insolvency system is working in Canada and there are options available. You're not going to lose everything. Um, it's really important to just meet with the trustee, find out what your options are and get that free initial advice that will really get you on a path to being debt free and your financial freedom. And how do we get a hold of you? I mean, well, I'm at uh, BDO Debt Solutions website. And uh, so you're, please take a, a boo at the website and come see me. And uh, we have offices all over the Lower Mainland, Vancouver, Surrey, Langley, Abbotsford, Burnaby. Uh, we'd be happy to, to meet anybody who has any questions. The website, friends, is debtsolutions.bdo.ca. Again, debtsolutions.bdo.ca, and somewhere on that website is a picture of my guest, Jennifer McCracken. Thank you so much for coming in. It was great to, to meet you and an excellent conversation. We, uh, uh, again, there's a lot of myths and a lot of misunderstandings, Jennifer, and it's very patient of you to, to, to walk us through the good stuff along with the stuff that's just plain silly. So <laughs> it, it's, it, it's important to sort it out, especially when there's some sorting out needed in, in a person's life. So thanks for taking the time on a busy weekend. Oh, thank you so much for having me. We're back after this. 
And once again, our thanks to Jennifer McCracken, Senior Manager and Licensed Insolvency Trustee from BDO First Call Debt Solutions for her visit today. Uh, you can find her at debtsolutions.bdo.ca. Very informative stuff. After the news, John Carlson will pay us another visit with a Vancouver market real estate update and lots more on the 1% Realty story. Time now for Duly Noted. And this time, our producer, Ben Dooley, looks at a new concussion app. Thanks, Sterling. Calling it an interactive tool, the creators of a new concussion app say the program can help parents and children recognize a concussion and guide them through the healing process. The PACE concussion app is now available via iTunes and Google Play app stores and is free for a limited time. Here's Dr. David Ryan, who helped to create the app, explaining what makes it special. Currently available free and we would encourage anyone who's dealing with a concussion or even wants some information about concussion to download the app. There's three sections. There's a uh, a quiz section, a recognition section, and a recovery section. It's the recovery section that makes this unique. There's no other app like it that I'm aware of. But a proviso is it's to be used in conjunction with your healthcare provider. The PACE app is said to have been developed in line with the guidelines from the 5th International Conference on Concussions, along with a medical advisory board. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you very much, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before the news. Effective a week from tomorrow, people in Victoria will no longer be offered plastic bags at shops and stores, and in some cases, will have to pay for a paper alternative. A B.C. Supreme Court decision this week validated Mayor Lisa Help's policy of banning single-use plastic bags. The judge ruled the ban was a business regulation and not an environmental regulation. Now, the Canadian Plastic Bag Association, yes, there is such a thing, argued before the court that a plastic ban is an environmental regulation, and the city of Victoria couldn't pass one without the approven, approval rather, of the provincial government. Well, the plastic bag people lost. As of July 1st, plastic bags won't be offered or sold in the capital city, and you could be charged 15 cents for a paper replacement. The big ones. Small paper bags will still be free. Best Buy, a reusable bag for a buck. Word from Ottawa this week that beer rules and regulations across the country are about to get a major upgrade. Think about this. Since 1990, the number of Canadian breweries has jumped from 62 to over 750, while the number of brands has increased from 400 to 7,000. Brewing methods, ingredients, labeling, and other practices have become so diverse, the industry is in need even of a definition of what exactly is a Canadian beer, eh? So officials from government and organizations like Beer Canada and the provincial craft brewers will soon begin the process of updating and upgrading our beer regs. It's not about stifling creativity, they say. It's all about beer drinkers being given the information they need to make good choices for themselves. Of course, it's always about standards, too, and that's where a clear definition of a real Canadian beer is absolutely necessary. The government says it'll take two years beginning next year, and obviously we'll be watching this file with uh, with great diligence and possibly 
uh, an opener. That's it for this hour. We're going to take a break for the news at the top of the hour. Thanks to uh, Ben Dooley and Andrew Ferreira for our first hour. John Carlson on deck from 1% Realty when we continue on Vancouver Consumer here on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.